Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's uh, CCK Live discussion. We are recording this on our podcast, The Veterans Legal Lowdown. So thank you for tuning in. Today, we're discussing new laws for veterans in 2022, specifically through the National Defense Authorization Act, or the NDAA. I'm joined today by Bethany Cook and Kayla D'Onofrio. Um, Kayla and Bethany are accredited VA claims agents that work at Chisholm, Chisholm and Kilpatrick. I'm a managing attorney at the firm. And the three of us really particularly enjoy this topic. We were just talking about um, how we like presenting on this because we get to talk about new initiatives or continuing initiatives that are committed through government spending. And it really is a good encapsulation of what the government's objectives are, I think, in order to help veterans and to help service members. So topics with a lot of lofty goals, a lot of promise. We're certainly not thinking that all of them are gonna be achieved or met. Anyone with VA experience knows that that is not always the case. Um, but we are excited to talk about the things that are on the docket for this coming year. So just before we get started with the uh, specifics, the NDAA, for those of you who are not aware, as I said before, is the National Defense Authorization Act. It is a defense spending bill that goes through Congress every year. It was signed this last December by President Biden. This year's bill authorizes about $770 billion worth of spending for the military. We've got some um, specific initiatives that the government has announced and specific acts that have come from this bill and from the spending authorization. And we've got it broken down through veteran specific initiatives and service member specific initiatives. So we're first gonna talk about reforms that affect veterans, and then we're gonna move on to reforms that will affect current service members. Um, and then just an overall um, or just an overview of what the different provisions are that we're going to be discussing today. The act this year includes several provisions that will greatly benefit veterans and their service members. That includes some pay increases, especially for service members, reform measures surrounding burn pits and other toxic chemicals, increased research and improved treatment for specific types of cancer, such as prostate cancer and breast cancer care and awareness military sexual assault reform, and other items. So we are going to skim through the ones that we thought were the most pertinent. Um, there's a lot to this act. I believe that it will be linked to the blog that's associated with today's presentation. So if you wanna sift through any particular provision um, with any degree of specificity that we're not able to get into today, please feel free to do that by reading the actual text of the act. Um, but I'm gonna first start with Kayla to talk about a few items related to sexual assault reform, and also burn pits, which is an issue that we've um, talked a lot about on our videos and our podcast and our blog. So Kayla, can you please take it away with the first couple of items sure. for us? Um, so the first one I'm going to talk about is the sexual assault reform. Um, I think this is a topic that um, is, you know, something that we care about greatly, and we do want to see a lot of reform happening and how these are handled. Um, so the provision in the bill will revamp how sexual assaults are prosecuted in the military. Specifically, Congress is creating prosecutor positions, which they're calling special trial counsel, um, and they'll be handling cases of sexual assault and related crimes, as well as murder, manslaughter, and kidnapping. So what this means is that they're going to be taking military commanders out of the role where they are handling these sorts of crimes, um, and instead they're going to be putting in these hopefully more objective third parties to be prosecuting these crimes in a more fair manner. Um, the bill is also making sexual harassment its own offense um, under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, 
Um, so again, just kind of allowing um, a legal authority to penalize or punish service members who are um, committing, you know, even these more minor harassment crimes versus the um, assault crimes, um, still giving a legal basis to punish them. Um, the other one I'm going to be talking about are the burn pit bills that are included within the NDIA for 2022. Um, like Maura said, this is one that we have discussed in great length before. Um, burn pits are something that we are, you know, still continually continuing to keep an eye on um, as we continue to handle these cases. Um, there are a couple of bills that are included within the reform that are um, supposed to be making total reform um, to the military's use of burn pits. The first is the Department of Defense Burn Pits Health Provider Training Act. Um, and what this means is that they're going to be providing uh, medical providers within the Department of Defense mandatory training with respect to the potential health effects of burn pits. Um, so being able to um, better understand the risks um, and potential side effects that being exposed to burn pits might have on service members and veterans, um, both long-term and short-term. Um, the other is the Burn Pit Registry Expansion Act. Um, this bill will expand the scope of airborne hazards and open burn pit registry of the Department of Veterans Affairs, which includes burn pits located in Egypt and Syria under the definition of open burn pits. Um, so this registry is what allows veterans to basically document that they were exposed and report any health concerns that they have related to that exposure to burn pits um, and hopefully allow a wider range of veterans to have that recognition under the law um, to help them when they are filing these burn pit related claims down the line. Great. Thanks, Kayla. And again, uh, we do we are following the different burn pit legislation items that have been swirling around for some time now. Um, but nice to know that they are thinking about different ways to track persons that have said that they were exposed to burn pits. Among other issues with this area is the government's reticence to acknowledge or concede that as many service members who say they were exposed to burn pits actually were. Um, so that's an important initiative, among other things, that are encompassed by that part of the bill. So thanks, Kayla. Bethany, I want to switch over to you to talk about healthcare modernization and some IT um, or information technology reform items that are encompassed in the NDAA for this year. Yes, yeah, so VA has been working on uh, modernizing its health record storage um, for a long time now, um, and it hasn't been a smooth process. Um, so one part of the NDAA is specifically um, included because senators want more transparency from the Department of Veterans Affairs about its massive electronic health record modernization program, which has been underway um, for I think by now it's been a couple years. Um, given that the process hasn't been um, going as quickly or as smoothly as it was supposed to, um, measures in the new legislation are designed to give Congress regular updates about the cost and schedule um, for the electronic health record that um, VA has been trying to implement. So specifically, Congress is looking for an end to a string of poor audit reports um, that on VA's EHR um, that they've been receiving in the past. Um, and auditors have also found VA previously underreported costs for the project by as much as $5 billion. So Congress is looking for more transparency from the VA um, about costs moving forward as well as its schedule um, of being fully implemented. <clears throat> The other uh, part more generally um, is regarding information technology reform. Um, so this part of the NDA 
and the AA was passed um, as the Department of Veterans Affairs Information Technology Reform Act of 2021. Um, and this bipartisan legislation aims to increase transparency and accountability through congressional oversight into proposed and current information technology systems and management at the VA. Um, so as part of that, uh, the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee advanced uh, Mr. Kurt D. Delbean uh, to serve as VA's Assistant Se Secretary for Information and Technology, um, a position which is going to be responsible for delivering adaptable, secure, and cost-effective technology services to VA employees and veterans. And hopefully um, this helps um, kind of more generally modernize um, VA systems as they have been pretty outdated for, for quite a long time now. Thanks, Bethany. I was just gonna say, I was thinking the same thing that you just concluded with, which was that uh, as representatives that work with at least some of VA's applications and some of VA's technology oriented systems, we do know that they are certainly outdated and that improvements would be welcome. So it's nice to know that um, IT or information tech reform is, is a important component of the spending that's been authorized um, through Congress for the year. Kayla, can you talk to us about additional benefits for veterans that have been contemplated by the NDAA, specifically with respect to national parks and um, I think it's a National Mall Memorial item that's on the um, agenda for them this year. Yeah. Um, so the first that I'll talk about is the National Mall Memorial. Um, so it's a new memorial that is going to be um, for the global war on terror. Um, they are making exceptions to the law to authorize a choice spot in the National Mall for this memorial um, to honor those who served in the longest conflict, which is symbolically bookended by the September 11, 2001 attacks. Um, and the fall of Kabul in August of, of last year. Um, so it's just a way of recognizing um, the veterans that were affected and participated um, in the global war on terrorism um, in a more public manner. Um, the second one is lifetime access to national parks. So veterans, Gold Star families, and active military members will um, now have free access to 423 national parks and federal recreational land sites um, across the country. So a little bit of a lighter note at the end here, um, but just allowing more access, um, free access to these parks across the country. Great, thanks. I agree with the lighter note. Again, this is why I think we, or at least I personally enjoy this, uh, getting to speak about this topic most years because there's so much um, that I think comes out of the NDAA every year that sort of orients us to what um, the Department of Defense and what the VA have for goals and things that are um, upcoming. I've got a list here, um, and I'm probably going to read off of this list because there are numerous items, but I've got a list of other um, acts that we thought were important to talk about stemming from the NDAA, so different spending initiatives. Um, these all affect veterans, and this is the last item that we'll talk about before we move on to talking about reforms and other um, bills that will affect current service members, but there are a number of bills related to veterans benefits that we think are important to note. One of them is making advancements in mammography and medical options for the Veterans Act, which will strengthen breast cancer screening and care, an important initiative that VA has had, I think on its radar for a while, but that we are really hoping to see um, get off the ground even more. 
The Veterans Prostate Cancer Treatment and Research Act will expand treatment and research of the number one most diagnosed cancer in the VHA system, prostate cancer, so another really important uh, initiative. The Rural, Rural Veterans Travel Enhancement Act will expand travel assistance programs for low-income veterans. The Service Members and Veterans Empowerment and Support Act will improve access to benefits and care for MST or military sexual trauma survivors and bolster claims processing for former Guard and Reserve members. Reform and Update Rural Access to Local Exams Act will improve rural veteran access to medical disability exams by enhancing transparency and revamping delivery of these exams. This is really critical. I think people that know about how VA's exam process works know that it can be very onerous at times when an exam is scheduled for a veteran and it's at a location that's very far away from where the veteran lives and will require a lot of travel, especially when you're talking about people that are suffering from really severe disabilities, having to undergo the travel component of the exam just to attend uh, for a short time. So this will re really be a critical thing and I'm happy to see that it's on the list this year. The Veterans Benefits Improvement Act is supposed to tackle VA's backlog and result in the issuance of timelier decisions. This is our bread and butter. This is what we are always talking about. We're constantly tracking uh, VA's progress with meeting timeline goals. We know that those of you out there who are dealing with the claims and appeals process know how lengthy it can be, how it's riddled at every step it feels like with delays. Um, I hope that the this part of the act, the Veterans Benefits Improvement Act, will actually accomplish the goal of reducing the VA backlog, the claims and appeals backlog, and resulting in timelier decisions, but I suppose only time will tell. Um, the PTSD Processing Claims Improvement Act is meant to improve VA's PTSD claims processing and ensure that veterans have access to care related to PTSD treatment. This is another initiative that I think VA has really had on its radar in previous years. So it will be interesting to see if there is uh, recognizable improvement in the treatment of persons who are seeking care and disability benefits, I think, for um, PTSD. And finally, the Burial Equity for Guard and Reserve Act, which will allow Guard and Reserve veterans to be buried in state veteran cemeteries. Um, I'm going to ask you, Bethany, to kick us off with the first topic in the new laws for service members, specifically with respect to regulation of forever chemicals, which is kind of a misleading name because it's not really um, a good thing to be a forever chemical. So uh, this was a really interesting one. We've had this one on our radar at CCK. I think that we've been um, issuing some blog content about forever chemicals, but can you talk to us about um, what the specific reforms are that have been itemized through the NDA? Yeah, so this part of the act um, is like you said, geared towards regulation of these forever chemicals, which are also known as PFAS. Um, so we've known about PFAS for a while. Um, there has been um, research done before. Um, a lot of places are testing high for levels of PFAS in um, a lot of the times in the water supply, um, often in the soil as well. Um, and the Department of Defense has um, issued research before showing that military bases in particular are testing um, for PFAS levels above the recommended um, amount. Um, 
PFAS is a group of chemicals that have been connected to various health issues, including some cancers, liver damage, and decreased fertility. So the fact that um, these are being found on military bases um, is not good for our active service members as well as our veterans. Um, so, and one, one aspect of the chemicals and why they're known as forever chemicals is because once they are um, in the ground or water, they do stay there for um, a very long time. Um, they, as they tend not to break down and to stay in the human body as well uh, indefinitely. So <clears throat> outside of being found on military basis, they have been used to non-stick cookware, stain resistant fabrics, cosmetics, some firefighting foams, as well as products that resi resist grease, water, and oil. Um, they've been in the news a lot recently because they're found in so many different um, things that you can find in a regular household. Um, but new regulations in the NDAA are going to require the Department of Defense to publish results of drinking and groundwater PFAS testing um, conducted on or near military installations or former defense sites. So they are publicly available. Um, so we'd expect that um, there's going to be a lot more bases added to the list that show um, that PFAS has been found present on them. Um, and this will allow military members to know um, whether the PFAS testing has been conducted on their base and whether um, the levels are above the recommended um, amount as recommended by the EPA. Great, thank you, Bethany. I think it's good to know that this is being treated as a military specific issue, but also to know that regulation in general should be one of the priorities I think that come out of the, not just the Department of Defense, but the EPA as well, because I agree. I think a lot of people are starting to learn more about these chemicals and um, their presence kind of pervasively. So it will be interesting to see if states follow suit and, and put forth similar regulations um, in their water systems just because of this, uh, the presence of these contaminants. I've got a few more um, service member specific items that we wanted to talk about. And then I think I'll kick it over to you both, Bethany and Kayla, for any closing thoughts that you have. Uh, the last few items that we have to talk about have to do with pay raises, the GI Bill expansion and extended parental leave for service members. So with respect to the pay raise, the NDAA includes a 2.7% pay increase for military service members and Defense Department civilian employees, which is a significant increase. Service members may also see a boost in their housing benefits. The Department of Defense is raising its basic allowance for housing by an average of 5.1% in 2022, which in and of itself is a big increase as compared to the last two years, which were just under 3% increases. So this year's 5.1% percent increase is definitely a significant one. With respect to GI Bill expansion, the NDAA includes a measure to extend GI Bill protections for student veterans who have or are still forced into remote learning classes by the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. This extension was originally set to end in December of last year, but it will now continue through to the summer of 2022. And GI Bill benefits will also be expanded to include select National Guard and reserve duty statuses as well. And the extended parental leave portion of the act um, will entail a change whereby at the end of next year, new military parents will be eligible for 12 weeks of paid family leave following the birth or adoption of a child. 
This is an increase from what was previously as few as two weeks in some services. Um, the leave will now be 12 weeks of paid leave, which is great to see that significant increase. And it also means that military mothers who are also the primary caregiver could receive 12 weeks of leave in addition to six weeks of convalescent leave for a birth or for an adoption. So it's very nice to see those extensions that will benefit our current service members. Kayla and Bethany, with respect to any of the topics that we talked about, whether they were for uh, laws or spending initiatives for veterans or current service members, do either of you have any final thoughts? or things to add, or just things that our listeners could um, sort of keep following or pay special attention to in the coming months? Um, yeah, I think like you said, we're really excited to see a lot of these different things on the docket, and we're really hopeful that we will see some improvement over the next year or so as you know these are continued to be worked on and sort of come to fruition. I think one that I'm particularly interested in um, following has to do with the burn pit bills. Um, I do want to see, you know, how VA continues to adjudicate these, if they are expanding their recognition of um, both the effects of them and the number of veterans that are exposed to them um, when they are adjudicating claims and appeals. And I think it's something that we'll continue to keep an eye on as a firm and probably um, I would expect that we'll have a lot more blog posts and broadcasts where we're talking about it a little bit more in depth um, in some of the other legislation that we've been following um, for the last few years regarding that as well. Definitely. Thanks. What about you, Bethany? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that um, PFAS was included in the NDAA. And my hope is that by it being included, um, that the Department of Defense is going to start um, being more public about the levels of PFAS present on military bases. I'm hoping that we get more medical research done about the long-term and short-term effects of PFAS exposure, because I think there's still a lot we don't know um, about the specific health conditions that um, active duty uh, service members and veterans who are were exposed to PFAS um, might suffer as a result of their presence on these military bases. So I'm hoping that we start getting more clarity on that because I think that will be really beneficial um, for veterans who do have disabilities that might be a result of this exposure that we just don't know yet. Um, so hopefully that's something that we get some clarity on in the future. Definitely agree. Thank you both so much for um, joining today. I really appreciate your insight and all the information about the NDAA and the things that we have to look forward to this year. Uh, this has been another uh, very enjoyable session of the Veterans Legal Lowdown. So thanks to all of you out there for tuning in. Uh, we hope to see you next time.